minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, what is going on? Uh, it's a it's a Monday edition of the podcast, and and we've got some tough stuff to talk about today. Yeah, you know, do you kind of feel like Andy asked to to switch for us hosting the show as a some sort of punishment? Uh, you know that every time we get to do this, one of my favorite things I look forward to. Love talking to you. Most of the time. Tonight, I wish that we could not do this because this is going to be a painful exercise. Hopefully not for you, the listeners. I think we'll have some good things to talk about. Uh, But just so fresh in our hearts and our minds is is what happened uh, as we watched some football this afternoon. And it's it's been a tough day. Yeah, obviously, this wasn't the outcome we've been hoping for all year. And there's something especially painful about losing in the NFC championship game. Um, and just missing out on and getting back to the Super Bowl for the first time in ten years, and it's it's really disappointing way to end the season. And I, you know, I don't want us to do the post mortem on this season because the rest of the team is going to have time to go through that the next few weeks. Obviously, you and I are going to be hitting the off season really hard, but tonight's not the the time to talk about those things. We're here to be your counselor. We're here to be your shoulder to cry on. We're we're here to to be the the venting that you have to do to somehow survive your your Monday at work. But um, you know we're we're gonna do our best to to go over what happened and and uh, you know hopefully fill in some of the gaps that maybe you haven't seen yet. Yeah, of course the results that we're talking about are a 31 to 26 uh, win for the Tampa Bay Bucks over your Green Bay Packers. And as Andrew said, you know, there's a lot to get into in this game. There's a lot of debatable content, uh, decisions and play calls and those kinds of things. Um, But we want to focus on this football game, what actually happened as we went through it and as it unfolded. Um, And and hopefully you and I don't know if you can enjoy that, uh, but hopefully it helps you see what this game was as the NFC championship for this 2020 Packers team. Yeah, and it's really easy to just focus in on the big things that happen throughout the game, you know, whether those be the decisions that people are questioning on the coaching staff, plays that the players didn't make or or did make. And I really like this exercise of going through what actually happened in the game because there's so many little things that happen that you or I may forget about until you get to go back and rewatch. Um, so, you know, I'm going to talk about the first quarter, uh, you know, that first drive, there's that big hitter to Mike Evans when they blitzed on third down, there's the out route to Godwin. Uh, they were really picking on Shannon Sullivan at that point. And, and that didn't necessarily continue as a trend throughout the game, but, um, you know, you saw a post in the end zone for Mike Evans touchdown and Kevin King just really misplayed the ball. Not a huge fan personally of showing man coverage so obvious pre-snap because Brady was able to identify that and exploit it really um, badly early on in this yeah, game. Yeah. Um, when the Packers got the ball back, you saw a dart down the middle for Mercedes Lewis. Rodgers gets sacked by Shaq Barrett eventually um, on what was just really great coverage by Tampa Bay. 
And then J.K. Scott has a not-so-great punt. The the special team's troubles continued in this one. Uh, you, you saw the Packers. Uh, they couldn't wrap up on a third and one. When Ronald Jones got the first, Kevin King throws his shoulder into Scotty Miller for minus five. And it looks like, hey, here, here's where the Packers are really going to get off the field. And um, instead, you you have this tunnel screen where Chris Godwin goes 15 yards, just an absolutely crushing blow. Looked like, you know, this was going to be more points for Tampa, but Kenny Clark was able to come up with sack on third down um, where he just bullied the right guard back into Brady's lap. So, um, you know, the Packers get the ball back. You get a huge third down conversion, throw another end zone to Lazard. That throw by Rodgers was such a thing of beauty. He's rolling out such an important situation. And to throw it with that velocity in between defenders is so difficult. And I'm not sure I could even fathom how a quarterback could do it, you know, Unless unless you're Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes, that's right, probably right. not physically possible for yes, any other quarterback yeah. in the league. Um, and then you saw a quick screen to Adams for a big game, and and that that really ended the first quarter. So not a lot of possessions. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that Lazard catch uh, and the Rodgers. That's an interesting. Like I'd have to look at like the launch point of the throw, but you're right. Like you're throwing running right. You're throwing, and Rodgers at that point might be actually throwing from outside like so far to the right that he's throwing from further to the right than the receiver actually is, you know, as he's going out of bounds to avoid getting, getting tackled there and just an incredible contortion to make that throw. And probably one of my favorite plays of the first half that has kind of gotten buried and all that happened later. So I'm glad you brought that up. That was a good big play for this team, but the first quarter happened really, really quickly and really slowly all at the same time. It felt like the Packers defense uh, would make a few solid stops in the run game. And then on third and seven, third and 11, third and 14, it didn't matter. It just kind of turned into, third and automatic for this Bucks offense there for a little while. So uh, we were feeling pretty low, I think, at the end of this first quarter. Things not starting the way that we maybe thought or hoped that they would. Uh, but the second quarter did. It, it got off to a hot start. Rodgers hit MVS on a dime down the right sideline, and I'm sure it didn't take this long, but it felt like the ball just hung up in the air forever. I think you knew what was possible when that ball went up. And then, of course, you're waiting for the catch with MVS, and he made that catch with a little bit of content. Uh, con- contact rather and then he took it the rest of the way to the house so I'm yelling I'm all excited my four-year-old is sitting in my lap and he's telling me to stop yelling because I was hurting his ears but a really fun moment in this game where it kind of felt like the Packers caught a spark and could get going um, in this football game but then on the following drive Brady was able to hit Chris Godwin for just a monster play in which Darnell Savage actually had great coverage like I don't know how he could have been in a better spot Godwin just made a miracle catch, and then Leonard Fournette took it the rest of the way on a really frustrating 20-yard scamper to the house. Um, Then when the Packers got the ball back, uh, they went back to the run, which paid off. Several Aaron Jones runs got them down to the six-yard line where they had three consecutive incomplete passes, uh, two that were really, really close to being caught by Devontae Adams. Uh, But in the end on that drive, the Packers did have to settle for a field goal, which put the game at 14-10 to 10, with about five minutes left in that second quarter. And this is where the game got a little bit weird for me because with five minutes left in the game, you're hoping to get a stop, to get the ball back, get another shot at some points. Well, they did get the stop, but after the sack, uh, after getting the sack, 
they were got another sack for Rodgers, and this just kind of kept coming back to haunt them. More pressure on Rodgers. Um, but he came back from this sack, got up, came back firing, and threw a pick to Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, who did use a little bit of a jersey pull uh, to put himself in position to make that play. We can talk about that later. I'm sure it will be talked about uh, at length throughout the week. Um, but at first, it appeared that Tampa wasn't really going to be able to do much with that opportunity following the pick. Uh, a key pressure from Preston Smith really forced Brady to throw a ball uh, that should have, could have, would have been picked off uh, by Will Redmond. But the Bucks did then, in a situation, go for it on fourth down. And they picked up a first down pass to Fournette out of the backfield. And then, of course, right before half, Tom Brady beats Kevin King, throwing a bomb to Scotty Miller. Uh, for six points in the touchdown to end the half. So uh, an exciting second quarter that was, you know, uh, it was fun to watch because things started happening for the Packers, but then just ended in devastation as we went to halftime. Yeah, and I, I don't know that you could script a worse ending to the half. It it should have been an automatic end of the half as a worst-case situation. You know, you're, you're thinking the Packers picked up a first down there, and the worst thing that can happen is you're going to go into halftime. Yep. At the same score, and instead you get the interception. Um, and you're right; you're you're absolutely right. It was holding on Murphy bunting, but but still, like you don't want to throw that and, and risk it. And and then the defense gets a stop, and you know Redmond needs to catch that ball. That that is a play yeah. a defensive back in the NFL has to make. There's nobody there contesting you. It's just a simple over the shoulder, and he completely whiffed. Yeah. So, you know, that that's a, a pain point in this game. Um, the play call and the execution were just terrible on the Scotty Miller touchdown. There's not much else to say there. So you go into halftime and, you know, you're down 11 instead of four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> quick, quick math there by me. And, uh, you know, th- things feel worse than they are. It looks like Aaron Jones is going to get a third down conversion, but Jordan Whitehead absolutely blows him up. Forces a fumble, Devin White scoops it up and runs it inside the red zone. Very next play, a great play action uh, fake, and Cameron Brait is wide open for a touchdown. So the Packers get the ball back. At, at this point, you're wondering, is this game over? Is this going to turn into another disaster like San Francisco last year or the Falcons NFC Championship game? But then you you get a nice run by Williams off tackle, toss play up the middle, um, you know, a slant to Devontae for the first. Uh, they, they find a hole in the cover two to get to MVS. So they start moving the ball down the field, a quick out to Equinemius. And, uh, you know, Rogers saw that the Bucks were in a blitz, threw it off to the, the opposite side of the blitz for 10, a beautiful step up in the pocket for a 16-yard pick to Lazard, and then touchdown by Tunyon on a play Rogers had just really a long time to throw. So um, great job there by the offense, great play calling. And then, you know, Leonard Fournette uh, gets two runs for a first down. Amos maybe got away with a little bit of pass interference on a deep pass to Gowan, but he follows that up with an interception on a kind of a duck by Brady. So, um, you know, the Packers have the ball back. They're driving. It starts to look like this comeback is is formulating towards the end of the third quarter. A really nice catch by A.J. Dillon on a pirouette. Uh, he, he just absolutely picked up a defensive back and carried him downfield for six yards. Uh, Tunyon with a nice first down catch. Great third down conversion to Jamal Williams, who just catches it in stride. Really nice play. 
a couple of rough plays, but then the slant by Devontae, just uh, workman-like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, just, so, it's nice. so easy for Devontae. Uh, he gets that slant touchdown, and that's when we had the St. Brown drop on the two-point mm. conversion. It absolutely was tipped by Sue, but that's a catch you have to yeah. make. Yep. And that that lead being five instead of three was huge down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really, really painful one to watch. And, you you know, it is a tip ball, but it's not a tip and then in your hands. It's a tip and respond. He had some time to see it coming in. You'd love to see him make that catch, and I'm sure, you know, he's kicking himself for that. But uh, going into the fourth quarter, and this is a quarter that took – Forever, so much happened in this in this fourth quarter. The Packers defense almost got off the field really quickly to start this quarter, uh, but Tyler Johnson showed up for a big third down completion of 16. Uh, the Packers had some communication issues to start. Snacks was kind of late getting off the field. Uh, Barnes had to leave the game again. It just kind of felt like the wheels were starting to come off again after some things started working in their favor. But then on a play that looked like it. Could have been a buck score. Jair Alexander made just an incredible play on a tip ball, picking off Tom Brady. This was not an easy play to make, uh, a catch that he absolutely had to contort back to. And he came through with what was a game-changing potential play and defensive stop the Packers needed at that point. But it was all kind of anticlimactic, unfortunately, because the offense wasn't able to do anything with it. Rodgers was sacked yet again on third down, and Green Bay had to punt from deep in their own territory. Uh, So things not going so well, but oh, Jair's not done. On third and two, just a couple plays later, Darnell Savage applies pressure on a blitz, and Tom Brady launches an absolute gift to Jair Alexander for his second pick of the day. But same story. When the ball goes back to the offense, they give up another sack, this time on first down, and again couldn't get anything going and had to punt yet again. It was pretty apparent that Tampa wanted to go ahead and eat up some clock on this next possession that they had to drive, maybe because they had just been kicking themselves in the, you know, really struggling with asking Tom Brady to do things. And so they're like, we'll just run the ball. Uh, The big play of the drive was a screen pass, though, to Gronk for 29 yards. They absolutely missed a block in the back on Christian Kirksey, but I'm not bitter about that moment. We'll just move on. Uh, The Packers did hold the Bucs to a 46-yard Ryan Suckup field goal. Uh, but finally, the Packers got the ball back. All right, we finally have made it to the point where they might have a chance. There's 4:42 left in the game. Jamal Williams got them out to the 33-yard line with a decent return on the kick, and MVS with just another monster of a catch across the middle. And then back to Devontae. Back-to-back plays to Devontae. First, he was a little short of the first, and then they went back to him for another wide-open first-down catch. The offense is moving. Things are looking good. Uh, But the offense stalled out again in the red zone, and Matt LaFleur then did opt for the Mason Crosby field goal, hoping that the the defense would be able to give them a shot at putting up the go-ahead points in the end of the game. And so uh, this almost worked. They had the Bucks in a third and four at the very end of the game. Uh, Brady throws what looks to be an incomplete pass. But then, of course, we get the controversial pass interference on Kevin King. And I will say, on first look, I was absolutely livid. I was hot. I was yelling, pick up the flag. It looked like a bad call. Uh, but then you see from the other camera angle, and Kevin King clearly had the receiver's jersey, pulling it, extended. You just can't do that if you're Kevin King. And I know that this is a game where they've let 
the players play the whole time. It's it's really tough uh, to see them finally <laughs> choosing to throw that flag in that situation. Uh, you really do have to call it the same way the whole game. And the flag coming out there as late as it did, uh, especially made that so much more painful to watch. But uh, was a pass interference. Kevin King can't do that. Really, really hard to see the flag come out the way that it did. But then, of course, just the painful last seconds watching the time tick off the clock, knowing there was nothing left to do. And this is how uh, the 2020 season was going to come to a close. All right. Well, um, do you need a break after breaking down? The yeah, quarter? that fourth quarter is painful, man. There were a lot of possessions there. Um, I, I, have a, I have a few questions for you. Okay. Num- number one is, you know, I... I'm gonna I'm gonna go go back um, a little bit to to what you said. The the first thing was, yes, it was pass interference on Kevin King. My issue is, Tampa Bay has now employed the strategy for two straight weeks yes. of let's just hold the receivers on every single play, and see what we can get away with. Yep. And against the Saints, they got called for several of them, but there were several in, in very crucial situations that the refs sort of just swallowed their flags. Now, this crew for the NFC Championship seemed like they were just going to let everybody play across the board. Mm-hmm. And my issue isn't with the King penalty. My issue is that the King penalty mattered at all because if they had been calling holding earlier, the Packers would have scored you know, at least on two more drives. Yeah. And... It's a completely different game. So to me, the inconsistencies of saying we're going to call this at the end of the game, but we're not going to call it earlier when it's just as egregious to grab a wide receiver inside of their shoulder pads Mm -hmm. and hold them as it is to tug on their undershirt. It it drives me nuts a little bit. So I I guess that's not a question, but (laughs) I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. No, it's so true. And I mean, that was well documented coming into this game that they were able to do that last week. And you would think that the officiating crews would adjust to that a little bit, knowing that the national media was recognizing that the Bucks got away with a lot of stuff. And I really appreciate a, a crew that lets a team play. I'm okay with that. I just want it called the same way the whole time. And my goodness, I mean, I'm not... A lot of people talk about Tom Brady getting calls. And, I mean, I'm not one to complain, and, and I'm not one to inflate that narrative. But I'm going to do it right here because that's exactly what this looked like. It looked like you call it the same way the whole game, and then at the very end of the game, Brady's got the ball, and he needs a first down to run out the clock, and it's gifted to him in a way that hasn't been done throughout the rest of the game. I will say, though, this is not to to harp on Kevin King, but they did go after Kevin King in almost every crucial situation. It was They knew that they could go over the top, and beat him with speed. They knew that they could beat him with speed left to right, and they knew that they could beat him in short areas with quickness. So, I mean, they obviously identified that, and that's to their credit uh, in game preparations, but it seemed like any time that they needed uh, a first down or they needed a big play, it was Kevin King that they were going after, which stinks because uh, Kevin King has had really, really good weeks this this, this year, and he's playing for a contact, contract for next year, uh, but this is going to be a tough taste in his mouth to shake uh, and for probably other organizations around the NFL uh, to want to reach deep in their pocketbooks and pay them. And I think we, we've both talked about this on many occasions. You you can be pretty safe in assuming Kevin King's not going to be back. And it has nothing to do with the performance today. It's just, it's a financial yeah. situation. And a lot of fans are going to say, we're going to be better off without Kevin King. Yeah. My issue is, 
cornerback play in the NFL can get really bad. And yes, Kevin King got abused today. Mm-hmm. But if it was somebody else in his position, it could have been worse. As, yeah. as scary as that is, it, it could have been worse. And, and I'm kind of worried with the Packers not really having a replacement in-house that we're maybe going to be seeing a rookie opposite of Jair Alexander next year. And, and the, the experience that we've had with rookie corners outside of Jair hasn't always been super positive. So we will, we will have to see and, and, you know, take a, take the approach of trusting the green Bay front office to, to make that replacement. The other question that I had for you. So obviously the, the really controversial thing here is going to be kicking the field goal. Mm. late in the fourth right there was two something left what's your thoughts on on kicking the field goal versus going for the touchdown the two point this is really tough because like in the moment I absolutely thought that they were going to go for that on fourth down Uh, it's probably the decision that I would have made from a non-analytical I just need the points so I'm going to trust Aaron Rodgers to chuck the ball to the end zone one more time that said, it's really seemed like the Packers really struggled in the red zone, and those we needed moments of throwing to the end zone were not working. And I, I think that Lafleur may have seen an opportunity uh, to go for the win, knowing that if you get the seven points, even if you tack on, if you get the the, the score, you get six, and you tack on the two, you're tied, and then you give Tom Brady the time. Like you're talking about, you want to give Aaron Rodgers the time. In that situation, even if you tie the game and you're successful, you're giving Tom Brady, even as weird as a game as he played, just enough time to go down and all he needs to do is get into field goal range. So I don't know if all that went through Matt LaFleur's head, but I do think that there's a chance he said, let's take the three, let's bank on our defense getting one stop here with all the timeouts we have and giving Aaron Rodgers the time because we've seen him do that time and time again. So I think that that's what he was thinking. It's hard, it's hard to slow that down and think that that may have been the best route. I don't know. Uh, but I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on, on that moment because it was a big, big one in this game. It is not what I would have done, and I don't know that I, did, that I agree with the, the decision, but I understand it, if, if that makes any sense at all. I think you're, you're saying our season is going to come down to one, one play – it's fourth and goal from the eight or nine. We haven't moved the ball an inch here, and we're going to bank our entire season on that and having to make the two-point conversion. Now, what we were talking about before the show started is, yes, if you fail in that situation, you're giving Tampa the, the ball back at the eight or nine, so you're actually in good situation. You can still stop the clock four times, but then you need to get the ball back and go down and score a touchdown and a two-point again. So... I do think there's more scenarios to winning the game and um, giving yourself the best chance to win if you kick the field goal. However, you've already moved the ball all the way down there, and the chances of getting the ball back, you're you're putting all of your money on making one stop. Yeah. And I don't know if you can you can trust yourself to do that. And clearly, they they didn't. Now, if there's no Kevin King penalty and he just lets the receiver go and it sails over his head like it would have anyways. We're talking about a very different game and you're right. They, they're giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, where a touchdown wins it yeah. with, you know, a minute 50 left on the clock and potentially a timeout. So yeah. 
it's tough. It's tough. It really I, I know tough. a lot of people yeah. are gonna gonna second guess that decision. I I don't know. I don't know that that I agree with it, but I, I I'm not gonna get really upset about it either. Yeah, so. it's really it's really tough. It's a it's a situation where you it's all the odds of them getting both of those plays are slim from what we saw on the field, and so then all the credit is given to the scenario where is what you didn't do. And it just seems like that they weren't going to get those points if they went for it. So I, I don't know. I really would have loved to see them go for it just to have the opportunity, you know, uh, because but that's in hindsight, knowing how it ended. So we'll never know. Uh, but you can totally see how LaFleur was trying to make that work. People are always screaming for you to be ultra aggressive as a coach. But then when it burns <laughs> you like it did Mike Pettin in the first half, yeah, then people yeah. are screaming, why aren't you playing more safely? Right. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a lose-lose situation. At some point, you're you're trying to put your players on the field in a position and trusting them to succeed. And when they don't, it, it does. It, it fires mm-hmm. back at you. So mm-hmm. we got a couple of things, um, a couple of awards that we're going to kind of fly <laughs> through since it was a loss. And, you know, the first is the player of the game. And I do want to recognize somebody. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a really, really nice game. Four catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. He really stepped up against his hometown team, and his catches came in really big situations. So I was I was excited for MVS to have his biggest game on the biggest stage. And I think this can give the organization a lot of hope that they have their wide receiver, two for the future in the building. And, I, you know, we, we've talked a lot. that There's this sort of pattern of, of Packers receivers earlier in their career, if you're talking about Jordy, if you're talking about Devontae Adams, having drop problems and then suddenly figuring it out. And I feel like MVS really figured it out in the second half of the season, even though I haven't always been the fairest evaluator of his. I started laughing when you when you said that, not because it's not true, but when you say like that they may have their wide receiver two for the future, I it just flash forward to this whole off season that we have ahead of us because you know that there's gonna be clamoring for wide receivers again in the first round, and that could be where the Packers go. But at the same time, you know, we've seen the Packers have the best offense in the NFL with what they have. And so it's just gonna be an interesting conversation to see. Um, the fans clamoring for the wide receivers and probably the national media clamoring, clamoring for a wide receiver and then the Packers drafting a corner offensive tackle in the first round again. But yeah, absolutely. MVS, just a monster day and not, not just the deep threat home run ball. And then he disappears. This was a game where he was present throughout and made really, I mean, four catches, at least four of the, or at least three of those were like gotta have it moments and so good for mbs way to show up but i guess i think if we're giving a player of the game award to the bucks because obviously they won the game i'm going to mention jordan whitehead here he forced two fumbles before leaving with an injury and really played an incredibly impactful game i saw some people talking about brady as the player of the game and i almost lost it but we won't talk about that here right now because it's too fresh and i might explode uh but Really, my goodness, Jair Alexander had an unbelievable 2020 season. And so if I'm going to give him an award to a Packer player, uh, he might have just saved his best for last in this game. He doesn't get a ton of opportunities to make plays on the ball uh, because of how little he's targeted in coverage. But tonight, he absolutely made the most of the chances that he had. And it really is a shame 
that the offense could not could couple just come up with a couple points, you know, off of those turnovers and the opportunities that he afforded this team because he really did show up in some key moments when his team needed him the most. Yeah, and so we are going to turn our attention to the turning point of the game. And for me, you know, it almost started before the kickoff. The Packers deferred with the hope that they could get in the sandwich score like teams are always trying to do. And instead, they got the ball back late in the first half. Rodgers throws the interception. The Buccaneers get stopped. And then they get the score anyways on the terrible call slash coverage and the, the touchdown over the top to Scotty Miller. Then they get the ball back off Aaron Jones' fumble, and um, you know that was at the beginning of the third, and score again. So spotting a team 14 points is bad enough, but those both should have been Packers' possessions, both to end the half and then obviously to start the second half. So they shortened their possessions and gave up two scores, which is just brutal. The fact that they were able to almost overcome that is saying something, but that's the part of the game that is going to stick in my head. So we're going to be talking about like a very similar part of the game here. I, I think that the Aaron Jones fumble was a really tough moment to overcome in this game. Uh, as you said earlier, they did a good job battling back throughout this football game, maybe better than I thought that they would, maybe when this moment happened. Uh, but not only did they give up that 14-point swing in just a couple of minutes, only separated by that halftime in between. But they also lost Aaron Jones in that moment. And we saw later in the game that they would get to the red zone and then the offense would stall out. And I just have to believe that maybe having Aaron Jones in those situations would have aided their creativity and made them harder to defend, less predictability. So the fumble killed because it led to points, but it also cost us a player that I think we needed to rally back and score some points. So uh, just a tough, tough spread of really a couple minutes on either time of halftime there yeah and unfortunately we're gonna have to move on to a topic that uh i think we have to mention but i really don't want to <laughs> aaron, aaron Rodgers in his postgame presser said quote a lot of guys futures they're uncertain myself included end quote what do you read into those comments kyle oh, i should have asked you the question so you had to answer yeah. first um, it's obviously unnerving when your MVP QB makes weird statements like that in an emotional moment, right? But um, this is what I think it is. I think he knows how rare it is for a first-round pick to sit for one year, right? And that's happened. Um, not two years. And that's what we're looking at going into next year. And I think he knows his trade value will be at an all-time high. I do think that Aaron Rodgers, you know, has wrapped his mind around this scenario. He seems like he's in a really good place uh, mentally right now. Uh, do I think that Aaron Rodgers gets traded? No. Do I think that Aaron Rodgers thinks that Aaron Rodgers gets traded? No, I, I don't think that he actually thinks that. But do I think that Aaron Rodgers has come to respect the fact that that he's not ultimately in control of how his time in Green Bay will end. I do think that he understands that. And what I think we saw tonight was a quarterback who appreciates what he has in Green Bay and was a little bit reflective of what could have been maybe not only this year, but maybe reflective of, of what could be in the future, not knowing how long he's going to be here. And I don't think he wanted to miss the chance to say thank you, uh, just in case this offseason does go differently than he expects, even though I do think if he were to be honest, I think he thinks that he's back next year. Yeah, and I, I can't foresee any situation in which Aaron Rodgers plays for another team next season. 
it would be terrible for the Packers cap situation. They have zero idea right now what Jordan Love looks like in an NFL game action, not even preseason. And they will still have a legitimate opportunity to be a Super Bowl contender next year, despite their likely roster losses. So I, I just don't foresee how this could could be possible. And if you think Deshaun Watson is worth a, a quarterback of the future plus three first round picks, Aaron yeah. Rodgers is worth twice that. And no yeah. team is going to give that much up for a, a player anyways. But I, why would the Packers want to get rid of Aaron Rodgers? It doesn't make any sense. Now, if he's thinking about retirement, I mean, Brett Favre was in the same situation. Maybe that's the case. Yeah. I I personally don't think Aaron Rodgers is worried about the impact of Jordan Love. I mean, we saw this in New England with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. They took him with a second-round pick. That never gets brought up. I mean, that's still yeah. pretty high draft capital. And so just because Jordan Love was taken, you know, 15 or 20 picks earlier than Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not the same thing. Right. But it's okay for, for a backup quarterback to sit for a little while, and then maybe you get something out of him later, or maybe you don't, or maybe Aaron Rodgers is ready to move on in four years. But I, I, don't, I don't think that that is going to push the MVP of the NFL out of your building just because you took a guy at 24 last year. Yeah, and so... You're talking about the cap implications, and that's big. Like, I, I think that it just doesn't look like it appeals to the Packers to do this now. I think that they probably will soon. I think he probably understands that that is probably uh, in the cards. But the retirement piece is interesting because I don't think that Aaron Rodgers will retire. I don't think he wants to retire. But I do think there's some weird piece of this that, like, Aaron Rodgers is in the best emotional and mental space that he's been at in years. He talks about that frequently. I think he understands how special this team was. I think he understands that he proved all that he had to prove for his own career this year, as far as being MVP of the league, most likely and those kinds of things. And part of me wonders in that emotional moment, I think he'll back this off, but I think in that emotional moment of losing a game like this, it may be hard for him to grab the next gear immediately and say, yeah, like I'm, I'm back in and I believe we're going to do it again next year. I think he'll get there. But I think in this moment, it may have been a kind of a, a self-reflection moment of I've proved myself and we'll see what's next kind of thing. Uh, but I, I do think he'll be back. I just think it's really hard uh, in that emotional moment to respond with maybe clarity of thought and those kinds of things. All right, so last thing that we're going to talk about at some point, I think we're going to be able to look back at the season and remember it fondly. It is, of course, rough to lose another NFC Championship game, and especially one that was well within this team's grasp. But despite the potential losses and talent, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about in the future, and the greatest reason is it seems that the Green Bay Packers found the guy at head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can hang your hat on. This year, you know, we have the MVP and Aaron Rodgers. We have the head coach of the future. This team went 13-3. and There were two straight NFC championship games. Obviously, they lost those, 
but a lot of teams can't say that and have never been able to say that. Uh, no one feels like being positive right now. Andrew and I talked before this show how much today sucked. We we don't like this. But there are a lot of bad football organizations in the NFL, and the Green Bay Packers are not one of those teams. And, and they'll be back. And this is a team that was so much fun to watch this year. Probably one of the most fun teams I remember watching. They didn't get the ring at the end, but this is a football season that was a heck of a lot of fun. They really made 2020 bearable at times. And I just want to say, as we, you know, we're entering an offseason now that we were hoping we weren't entering this early. Uh, the Packers football community is really fun. And we really appreciate all of you who follow us on Twitter and participate everything in everything that's happening in these conversations. We win together, and that's fun. And today we lost together, and we we interacted with one another as we tried to wrap our minds around those emotions that we were all feeling. So we want to invite you uh, to stick with us because we are so lucky to be connected to such a historic winning franchise that will continue uh, to be good and will be back. So stick with us throughout the offseason. And we'll continue to unpack what the future of the Green Bay Packers looks like. That was incredibly well said. Thanks for for sharing that, Kyle. Uh, But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Murtig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can usually catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. But Ben Fennell and Andy Herman are going to be taking our spot this week. We're going to be back in a week and a half, and at that point, we're going to be starting to talk about the offseason, which is exciting for us, but obviously really painful tonight. Yeah. <laughs> want to really want to like sincerely thank everybody for listening this season. Hope you continue with us during the offseason. And remember, as always, and maybe even more importantly right now... Go, hey, go.